tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 80. Well, I always, always love sharing Trisha Goyer with you guys because she's not only a dear friend, I feel like every time we have a conversation, I go away challenged as well as blessed. So I'm super excited about today's conversation. Trisha has written a new book called Keep a Happy Heart. And you know what? Maybe you've never, ever considered that there is a place that God has for each of us, a deep abiding happiness that isn't built around our circumstances. I can't wait for you to hear what Trisha has to say. Let's dive in. Oh, my heart is so happy because I get to have my dear friend, Trisha Goyer, with me right here in my virtual living room. I sure wish it was my real living room, Trisha. I wish that too. Please, yes. Lord, make it so soon. (laughs) Oh, I know. Well, if you guys have been listening to the Living Room Podcast, you have met Trisha several times. and, And I'm sure you already know her from her many books, as well as her own podcast, The Trisha Goyer Show. Used to be known as The Walk It Out show, but I love that um, you're renaming it because God's used you in so many people's lives, Trisha. And this new book, oh my goodness, I am so excited for it. It's called Heart Happy, Staying Centered in God's Love During Chaotic Circumstances. And you know what? I don't think we need to have a global pandemic to say I know. <laughs> that, yeah, life can be chaotic at times. Can you just tell us what the heart is and how this book came to be? You know, this book came to be because for so many years, I think I worked so hard to keep it all together and to make God happy and to obey him. You know, I've written books and helped start a crisis pregnancy center and adopted kids. And it's almost like that little child, like, mm-hmm. look at me, God, I'm doing all these things for you. And he's like, please calm down. <laughs> I just want to be with you. Wow. And I just want to love you. And it really is through some of the most chaotic circumstances of our lives, we adopted seven kids in six years. Um, some of them were teenagers, and those teenagers can be vicious <laughs> when they're unhappy with you. And there were seasons where I found myself every day curled fetal position on the floor, like, I cannot do this, I cannot do this. And in those places where I realized, like, oh, yeah, I cannot do it, I need the Lord. It's like almost I got to the end of myself that God's like, I'm here and I just want to love you. And that really is how this book came to be. Me realizing like, okay, I've done it all. I'm still trying. Of course, I want to love God and serve him and obey him. But if I don't do another thing, like God loves me completely. He will be here for me. I can depend on him. And it's just like this freedom that I have after going through some really, really tough stuff. Yeah. Isn't it funny that... (laughs) Even those of us who really love Jesus with all our heart, and we so much want to do significant things mm-hmm. for Him, it can get it can actually get in the way of knowing Him, and so He allows us to come to the end of ourselves, yes, to find to find out the good news, what's been true all along. And I so I so love the story of your journey, and it's. 
it's just beautiful to see how God has even redeemed those hard times in many ways. I mean, you've got other books that have come out of that help for, you know, for angry kids. I love that yeah. book. It's so, <laughs> and you guys, I'm going to be linking to the podcast where we've talked about some of these books that have come out of this difficult time. And I think, I think that's one of the lies that we sort of have to deal with. First of all, in order to get our heart happy with the Lord, that it's not us coming up with the perfect life and Absolutely. doing it perfectly, but that if we'll invite God into our chaos, that He can bring beauty. He can bring beauty out of it all. So I love yeah. that. And I think it's especially hard for us high achieving people who can do a lot. And we're yeah. thinking like, look at all we're doing. And then why is this hard stuff happening? And God's like, I don't need you to do. <laughs> I just need you to be. I just need you to be with me. And so, yeah, that's really my heart behind this. Mm. I love your books because they're always so practical and you you give us just steps how to get to that place. And I, I was telling you before we went on, I love how personal this is because you really, you really have a conversation with your reader and you're, you're kind of just saying, what about you? And then you mm -hmm. give us some tips and just some practical ways to engage with truth. Uh, but I want to just, before we get to those things, I'd love to have you tell us about your title and where did Heart Happy come from? Well, it came from George Mueller, who is like one of my favorite people. So if you're not familiar with George Mueller, he um, cared for orphans. And we're, I'm talking like hundreds of thousands of orphans. And he also took everything before God. He would put his needs before God. He would not ask of his needs yeah. if he needed food or funds. He just took everything knowing that the Lord pr would provide. And I read um, the biography of George Mueller with my children and would just be weeping every chapter and my kids I mean because the ones that were I'm homeschooling now are adopted and he, we are just such huge fans of George Mueller and just his faith and how he cared for orphans um, but really to do all he did he knew he needed to get happy in the Lord he called that getting happy mm. in the Lord at the beginning of the day and it was sitting down with scripture and it was letting God's word speak to him and then you know, praying it back to the Lord, praising him and thanking him and depending on God. And I'm like, if George Mueller can do that and care for tens of thousands of orphans, yeah. like that will help me. And I've had a morning quiet time and I love that time reading the Bible, but just really settling myself in that moment and just letting myself find that happiness in the Lord, being content with whatever He's speaking to my heart and doing that before I get up and start my day, before the laundry, before the kids, before the homeschooling. And so really that quote from George Mueller that he discovered that the first thing he needed to do was be heart happy in the Lord or get happy in the Lord really became the inspiration for this book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I told you I've been spending a lot of time with George. I love George. <laughs> and a lot of heroes of faith as I've been working on my book on trusting God because he's like... His trust is so phenomenal to me. But I think the thing that one of the things that really struck me was just the transformation 
that Jesus brought to his life because this man who literally trusted God for all of his finances started out as a thief. <laughs> as, I know. As a young yeah. young boy, <laughs> he even though he was raised in a rich home, he he was a kleptomaniac and he would steal from his friends, steal from his dad. He would stay in hotel rooms and leave before he had to pay his bill. My kids and I were like, George, what are you doing now? (laughs) And to be so transformed by Christ that that greed, that, Mm -hmm. that all of that was broken and it was turned to this unbelievable faith of like, I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm going to trust the Lord to meet all my needs and how God did that. And, you know, I think. I think if we would let God get his hands on us in that way, like really change us from the inside out. When I look at those places where I did my best to change, but it was the hand of God giving me access, that's where I get really happy. (laughs) You know, when I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, I'm not what I used to be. And Mm -hmm. I love your story because it really is a story of the transforming power of God. And it hasn't just been a, a, you know, one single moment where you were changed, but just through your life. Lots of moments. Which which can be really disappointing for us good girls who want to be perfect and do <laughs> Like, wait, I thought we were like over this. I thought we were all good now. <laughs> I love it, you know, to be, um, I just love how God intersected your life as a 17-year-old Mm-hmm. unwed preg- pregnant teenager um going how in the world am i going to do this um you've shared openly about places of of shame in your life mm-hmm. uh specifically abortion mm-hmm. um and one of the things i appreciate about even in that first chapter where you just talk about really connecting with the lord and asking him not not just asking him to forgive us but receiving the forgiveness. And one of the points is embrace. I love this. You say, ask God to search your heart. Number two, confess your sins and mistakes to him. Number three, and this is hard, but this is the reality of the cross. Imagine God wiping away those sins as if they never existed. Number four, embrace the knowledge that you are genuinely forgiven. Pray and ask God to help you see yourself that way. And then you have us write down Isaiah 118 on a note card so that we can look at it regularly. And that verse says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. And I I wanted to bring that out because I just feel like God's allowed my life to intersect with several people who, who've asked for forgiveness, but the shame of their past is literally crippling them. They they can't they can't believe they, that that God's forgiveness is enough, not just for eternity, but for right now that they can walk free of shame. How has God? unshackled you in those areas. Yeah. And I think it's over time too, because I I'll, I can mention three specific areas. First, when I was that 17 year old, um, pregnant, laying in bed, like everyone's going out their life. I'm home and I just wrapped my arms around my stomach and said, God, please forgive me. If you could do anything with my life, please do. And this like light and hope came in. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first level of, okay, 
I'm t- turning over my life to God. But even yeah. after I turned over and like, okay, I'm, I'm turning it over to him. I'm going to try to go to church. I was still like doing it in my own work. So I'm still like, okay, I'm gonna go to church now. I'm praying for my husband, which God brought me this amazing Christian husband, but still so much was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make things right. And mm-hmm. then it was probably five years after that. Then I went to my first um, Bible study for women who've had abortion and going through that Bible study, actually walking into the room for the very first time and seeing other women who were, had also chosen abortion, who felt the same shame and pain and regret because I'd hidden it for so long. Like no one knew. I wouldn't tell anybody if people would, if there was preaching in church or people talking about in Bible study, I just felt like my insides eating me up. I'm like, if they knew they would hate me. So even though I had, gave my life to the Lord, that was just like still eating me up and walking into that room and seeing those other women, like this is all our story. And it's like, it was like coming out in the open mm-hmm. um, and then hearing their story and hearing their pain and shame. We get all of us realizing like, if we're, if we're holding on to this, we are telling God that it's not enough, that mm-hmm. you aren't doing enough for us. Um, and really accepting that forgiveness and also seeing myself as, walking in darkness. The Bible talks about how we walk in darkness and then he's the light. I was literally, I pictured myself in this completely black room, groping around for answers, groping around, like I'm trying to find something. I made the wrong choice. I was just trying to escape a bad situation, which we know is a wrong choice, but just having compassion on that. I was 15 when I had an abortion, having compassion on that 15 year old girl that was just in darkness, trying to find a way out, um, not looking to Jesus, but trying to figure it out myself. Mm-hmm. It just, that really brought a lot of freedom. And then it was probably another 10 years after that. Um, I was gathered together with other writer friends in Idaho and we were praying about different things. And I don't even remember what triggered it, but that night I, for the first time, saw Jesus back in those situations. Mm. Um, so saw him like when I'm actually laying there getting an abortion and seeing him just weeping and wishing that I would turn to him. And that just brought like, instead of shame of you shouldn't have done this, which of course I shouldn't have done it, but just seeing like his compassion for me and his wow. love for me and just picturing him there like arms open, even in that moment of my sin, wanting me to turn to him. And that, like, through the through those years, God has just so graciously just revealed himself to me as I could accept it, <laughs> as I could accept it. But just see, having him, just picturing him in that situation, even in the moment when I'm sinning and still loving me and having compassion for me and weeping for me, not pointing a finger, but really just wishing I would turn to him, really made a huge difference. Mm. Oh, I... I just really believe there's some women out there Mm -hmm. that need to hear that today for themselves. Yeah. Um, I think so much, so many times we feel that the things we've done has separated us from God's love rather than see him continuing to woo us and want us and desire us. And um, I just pray, I just pray that girls, those of you who have been shackled by shame would just take a moment and really, really allow the blood of Jesus to wash you white as snow. Mm -hmm. That's the good news of the gospel. I've been telling my friend, that's why Jesus came. If we had it all together, we wouldn't have ever needed him. 
But, right. you know, even those of us who, who didn't have um, some of those things in our past, you know, I, I've just realized that good girls need a savior. Sometimes <laughs> I think more because we don't know. We don't know mm. his goodness. We don't know that his forgiveness is just as rich as free for those things that we feel um, are, you know, are not enough in us or right. places where we know what we should be and we're falling short, that Jesus came to cover those places as well. Because I, I don't know about you, but I found guilt is, you know, it can motivate me for a moment, but it cannot change my life. Right. And and that's where if we're walking in guilt and shame, we're never going to get to the heart happiness. Right. Right. Yeah. And when we take those moments when we can sit before him and and allow ourselves to go back and picture Jesus in those moments, mm -hmm. allow us to comp contemplate. It talks about, you know, meditating on the Lord. Um, we need to like stop our busyness and just sit for a minute and really contemplate God, contemplate his goodness, contemplate eternity, contemplate him being there in those dark places. Yeah. I think so many times, even we can get in the ritual of let's just read this little devotion and let's just write mm -hmm. it down our little prayer and let's move on. But I think that heart happiness is sitting there and being settled until we can feel that we are happy in the Lord. And when we do that, yes, hard stuff will happen during the day, but it's going to be like bouncing off of us because our heart is settled in the Lord and we can trust him for our day. And all these, those things aren't going to disturb us as much as if we were just running through our day. Yeah. I don't know if I've talked about this in the podcast yet, but the Lord's been doing something sweet for me. Um, there, there are just mornings where I just wake up kind of with those morning dreads, you know, mm -hmm. the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, and the have tos, and the oh mys, and um, and then there are some mornings where I wake up and there's just this low grade shame, or mm. or kind of this low grade guilt, and I search my heart and I ask the Lord to search my heart, and it doesn't appear that either of us can find anything to go to. It's just there. And and so I was talking to the Lord about it. I'm like, that really, that weighs me down. Just that that sense of I, I've done something wrong, not sure what it was, but you are certainly a disappointment, Joanna. You know, mm. just that low-grade guilt. And so um, I felt like the Lord brought to mind, and I can't remember where it's found, but where it says having our hearts sprinkled from a guilty conscience, our mm. hearts sprinkled from a guilty conscience. And I'm like, yeah, I like that, you know, because it's not like that heavy duty sin where you need a good scrubbing, you know, it's just that guilty conscience that's always condemning us that even, even the blood of Jesus is available for that. And so each morning, I've just been imagining myself, just before I even come into his presence, walking through the veil of his blood, just the mm. sprinkling, cleansing of his blood. And it's so, it's so weird. But I almost can imagine myself sort of like Elsa on Frozen. And I go, <laughs> I <love that. laughs> and I go through the veil and I'm transformed. I'm cleansed. Mm. I I'm, can come into his presence without guilt or heaviness because yeah. I've been cleansed from a guilty conscience. And so it's been I love powerful. That. It's been powerful. I love that. And it reminds me of one of the verses I talk about in this book is Psalm 139. I think it's 24. 
four. I was going to look it up, but it's going to take too long. So, but it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Yes. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Some of them say evil thoughts um, and see if there's any wicked way of me and lead me in the way of understanding. Well, as I'm going through this, I talked about those anxious thoughts or those evil thoughts. Um, God just really impressed on my heart. Like maybe the thoughts weren't even put there by me. Yeah. Maybe it's someone else's thoughts about me or stuff that I took on myself. So it's not even because I'm like, well, I wasn't having bad thoughts yesterday, but I listened to someone or I paid attention to someone I shouldn't have paid attention or I had someone, my fifth grade teacher said something that's still like bothering me. Mm. And it's like, search me and show me those thoughts, those anxious thoughts, mm. those, those thoughts that someone else might have put on my mind and heart that I don't need to accept. Like I don't need to listen to. Yeah. Um, I mean, even years ago, I was talking, there's a, I remember a preacher talking about communion and you better make sure your heart's right. And I remember Every time I would walk into church, I mean, we're talking, this was in the last five or six years, I would feel this anxiety, like, oh my gosh, we're doing communion. And I'm like, why am I feeling anxious? Like, we're supposed to be like celebrating the Lord. And I realized it was from that feeling of like, oh my gosh, if I don't remember every little thing that I'm going to confess before communion, like something bad's going to happen to me. And I'm like, that wasn't a thought I needed to listen to. I I just need to realize like this is a the breaking of you know his body and blood for us this is a celebration this is coming together in community instead of those thoughts and so i think really like you were saying like that we don't even know where these things come from sometimes mm-hmm. but i love that letting him just sprinkle 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 <laughs> and right. and clear those conscious that's right well and i've thought you know even that whole idea of communion rather than letting the enemy sidetrack us mm-hmm. like go oh i need your shed blood today absolutely i need your broken body so i receive this as forgiveness lord for the sins absolutely real yeah. and imagined <laughs> yeah yeah you're talking about the whole idea of you know where did those thoughts come from and boy i've been there i heard annabelle gillam say once she said satan can use the personal pronoun i me my Mm. Right? So we think it's our hearts condemning us. We think it's, you know, thoughts that are coming from the past, but sometimes they're just sourced by the pit of hell. And and we just, I'm just finding when those things come and boy, do they come, you should be this, Joanna, you're really, you know, I should this, I should that. Just bringing it to the Lord and say, Lord, I want your truth. What are you saying? Because I found that the enemy can hijack the conviction of the Lord and turn it into condemnation. Mm, that's really so good. good. Yep. So how do we, I think the thing that sometimes where the sticking point is, is how do we really receive and believe that what Jesus did was enough for us? Yeah, I think that's so good. And it's just, um, understanding that um, he knew before he created us that we were going to do these things. Yeah. <laughs> he knew before he, but he still did it and he still did it out of love. And he still like created us knowing that his love would be enough for us. And I think it is that, and going back and seeing how Jesus dealt with Zacchaeus or dealt with the woman at the well or how he interacted with Nicodemus. I mean, he is so tender and compassionate and, um, you know, people that had hard feelings about themselves 
um, he would say, you know, no, I have good plans for you and over and over again. And so really just seeing and reading the scriptures and seeing his love and compassion when people do the wrong thing or don't um, follow him like he should. Um, he's there with open arms to them. And I think the more we can read in God's word and we can understand his sovereignty and understand also his sensitivity to us um, really just makes my heart just like, okay, I, I will accept this. I will believe this. And just ask him to to reveal himself to us. Um, you know, the other morning I was praying and it was like, so my heart was bursting with such fullness. And I'm like, this is an ordinary, like Saturday morning, my kids are sleeping. <laughs> but in those moments when we just come before God, then just like, just read his word and just praise him and thank him. And um, it's like, he will meet us in those moments, but we have to, we have to open ourselves up to it. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, when you're, when you're in the middle of a struggle and the pressures come and it's real, it's real. How do you get your heart happy in the Lord during moments like that? Well, I think the only thing that can get my ha- heart happy is the Lord <laughs> during those really, really hard times. Mm-hmm. And um, the last couple years, about three years, we had one daughter who doesn't live with us now, but she just would just make things really difficult and she would just strike out at me I mean not physically sometimes physically but not all the time physically just it was it was very hard um and going to my room I would literally get into bed and I would have scripture playing I would put on old hymns and have it playing and I would just have to cleanse my mind, <laughs> cleanse yeah. my mind from, cause she knew exactly where to poke me. She knew exactly what to say. She knew exactly how, and I'm like, I'm just trying to love you and you know, pour mm. myself into you. And so really it was the only thing, like if I talked to a friend, it would just get me riled up more. If I would yeah. like, you know, try to you know, whatever, justify myself. Like I don't need to justify myself because it was speaking lies to me, but really it was getting, and I would have scripture from the Bible app playing. I would have devotionals from the Bible app playing. Mm -hmm. I would have, and it really was cleansing my mind, cleansing my mind, cleansing my mind. And I think we forget how powerful the word of God is. You know, the Bible, it talks about the, the God's word is living and active as a two-edged sword. And I would just picture it just stripe, swiping and stri- swiping against all those lies mm. until I was able to breathe again, until I was yeah. able to um, get up and take care of the other kids and keep going on and keep, you know, trying to love and serve. And it was, so it's very real things. And I know there's people that deal with, you know, health issues and they have maybe going through divorce or marriage problems mm-hmm. or like me, kids that are, are not um, the relationship strain. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. And it, these are very real things and our emotions are very triggered by it. And another thing too, realizing like um, emotion is an emotion, but it's not the truth of God. So she can get my body riled up because when you're emotional, my heart's beating fast. I'm tense. Like my neck is getting tense. I could feel heat. Like it's a physical thing. So emotions can lead to physical things. But even that in that moment of physical discomfort and pain, that is not the truth. The truth is 
God loves me. The truth is that I am, you know, I'm his child. The truth is I need to trust him with all my heart and lean on my own understandings, but he will direct me. And so again, whatever you're going through, yes, the emotions may be high and yes, there might be difficult situations, but the truth is God and he can bring us the peace even in those very hard times. Yeah. I keep thinking about Paul, you know, this Mm -hmm. vibrant ministry seemingly cut short and he's falsely imprisoned and um, it's not an easy life. And yet somehow he chooses joy. He, He chooses to be fruitful where he is. And rather than, it's so interesting, you read his story, there's only one time that I can find where he rebuked Satan <laughs> in his circumstance. Instead, he said, we thought we were going to do that, but the Spirit of the Lord kept us from doing it. You know, And I think you have a whole chapter talking about God's uh, trusting God's sa- sensitivity and His sovereignty. And I do wonder if a lot of the turmoil that keeps us from a happy heart is because we think this is wrong. This can't happen. This is not a change. This is not how it was supposed to turn out. Yeah. I mean, Paul pictured himself going from continent to continent and preaching the good news. Instead, he's imprisoned. And for, I know, three years straight, he could not leave, but people came to him. He was yeah. able to have people in his living room, like just like we're in your living room. He was able to have people in his living room and he was able to minister to him. And, you know, even we have good intentions. We want to do great things for God. Paul had good intentions to travel the world and to preach on all these continents. He had friends everywhere that he wanted to see and connect with. And God said, Nope, you're going to be in your living room and there's going to be people there and you're just going to speak to them. And that I could so relate. I'm so glad you brought up Paul. So I could so relate to that because I'm like, we adopted children. Like it's supposed to be all good now. Like we're doing like they were orphans. You say to care for the widows and the orphans. So we're supposed to like mm-hmm. all be happy and everyone's supposed to yeah. love each other. And it was like, what in the world? Like, why is this happening? And I mean, I probably went through a good six months to a year where I was reading Disappointed by God. I was reading When God Doesn't Make Sense. I was reading all these books because I'm like, I'm kind of upset with you right now. I mean, this is being totally honest. Yeah. And I, I touch on this in the book a little bit. But, you know, Joanna, you're my friend. And all these people are listening, but that's okay. But to be <laughs> honest, I was like, I was just doing what you wanted me yeah. to do. And this really stinks right now. Like, how yes. could, and I probably had this, like, you know, when you pout or like, <laughs> I was like, whatever, I'm upset right now. I mean, I really had to go through and read those books and get counsel from, I went to counseling and like, mm-hmm. I don't understand like why this hard, why it's this hard when we're just doing what you asked us to do. And it came back down to God is faithful. Like mm-hmm. that is the sum of it. God is faithful. We could trust him. We could love him. Okay, yes, it's causing me to lean in closer to him, and that is enough. Like, yeah, it's okay. This world is going to be hard. Yeah, this world will have many troubles. So, um, but in the midst of it, I realized, like, okay, yeah, I'm in the fetal position right now, and it's okay. Like, I have Mm -hmm. you, and we're good. Like, yeah, I might not complete anything today. I might not check off my to do list today, but you love me, and I love you, and we're good. That's good. 
That's good. You know, I really think God wants to deliver us from our formula Christianity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That if I do this and I do that, then you have to do this. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And God in his mercy just says, that's not how it's going to be. You know, I think, I think sometimes we forget that we're not under this old covenant of if then you do this and then I'll do that because obviously if and I don't want to live under that covenant because I'm going to mess up right right so we're under this new covenant where I don't necessarily get the if you do this and this you're going to get prosperity and blessings and wonderful mm-hmm. health you know instead he says I I will be with you always I will never yeah. ever forsake you. I was thinking about those those two, you know, the two conflicting promises where it's like I can do nothing apart from him I can do nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the other promise that comes to bookend it I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know? Yeah. Like both are true. So it's mm-hmm. it's no longer this formula that we live by. It's this grace that we get to operate under. And I really believe we we're going to have to make peace with God's sovereignty and the fact that in the Old Testament there was physical blessings but in the New Testament we're given spiritual blessings. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to always have the outer but oh you guys we can have peace on the inside and I I'm just having to let go of my idea that everything has to be okay for me to be okay. Mm. We just need a little sign. I need a sign. <laughs> I need a sign of that, Joanna. Everything doesn't have to be okay for me to be okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, isn't that when you look at the New Testament, that's the message. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why so Paul could sing in prison, right? Yeah. That's why all of the disciples went to martyrdom with mm-hmm. joy because they, I love Paul's words. He goes, but none of these things move me because I did not count my life dear to me. So can I get to that place where I'm, my life is secondary and he is primary. And I think that's where, I think that's where we find the happiness. And, but you know, it's hard. (laughs) Don't you feel like like the enemy of our soul wants to steal our joy above all? Absolutely. Absolutely. How do we come against that? I know you've you've mentioned the Word of God. How have you used some of these tools to combat this joy stealer? Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, because I always think like, you know, we as Christians say, well, we need to be joyful, but not even worry about being happy. Well, I think heart happy is a totally different thing than Mm -hmm. we picture happy. The word happy and blessed are actually, they can be, so some translations may say blessed is the man. Some may say happy is the man. But when you look at the root of the word, it's an action word and it goes to walking straight. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, it's an active happiness, an active blessed. So you're blessed because you're walking straight with the Lord. We're happy because we're walking straight with the Lord. So I think when we go like, I'm not happy or I, I don't have joy right now. How how can we get that joy? We picture it as an emotion, like a sitting still emotion. And the Lord is saying, this is a walking journey with me. Mm. We're going to, yes, we're going to sit. We're going to sit and we're going to read God's word, but even then is active. We're going to pray. We're going to rejoice in the Lord, but that is active too. And then we're going to get up and we're going to walk out 
the things he's asking us to do. And that's where blessed is the man who, you know, who walks with the Lord. Happy is the man who walks with the Lord. This is an active step. And so I think so many times we get stuck on that these things are emotions. But when you actually go back and look at the read of the words, these are active words. These are not emotional words. And so we sit down, we sit before the Lord, like George Mueller. Let's go back to George Mueller again. Mm -hmm. He sat down, he, he, Bask in the goodness of the Lord. He glorified the Lord and he got up and he walked it out and he cared for the orphans and he, he prayed and he asked for things that no way should have been provided. Going back millions and millions of dollars passed through his hands to other people. And even I I was reading um, one of the books by Hudson Taylor. It's his Hudson Taylor spiritual writings. I had no idea that George Mueller provided for Hudson Taylor. So Hudson Taylor was in China and the mission board that he had gone under originally, they were having all these issues with policies and all these things. Basically, these missionaries got left there without funding. And Hudson Taylor, I mean, and George Mueller sent Hudson Taylor money and for him. And then then he, he got a letter shortly afterwards and it said, um, Lord, impress it upon my heart and I'm going to Tell me how many missionaries are there. Tell me how much you're going to need, and we're going to provide for it. Wow. So not only was George Mueller caring for all these orphans, he funded Hudson Taylor and the eight missionary missionary couples that were there for years while this other policy mm. and other mission board stuff was getting in the way. And I'm like, George, here you are again <laughs> for God to sit there. I mean, that's a very active thing. Yes, he was sitting in the Lord and being happy in the Lord, but then you have to be active and do the things God asks you to do. So that was a long answer to your question, Joanna. No, I love that. It's not an emotion. It's not stillness. Yeah. It's actually walking it out. Yeah. And it really has nothing to do with our circumstance. Nope. In fact, that's when it's most powerful. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, one thing God told me as I'm praying for these kids and dealing with this, he said, um, answered prayer is not quick fixes. Mm. And I'm like, I want them better today. I want this situation better. I want our relationship better. I want whatever better like today. And he's like, answered prayer is not a quick fix. So if we're praying for five years, if we're praying for 10 years, if we're praying for 30 years, um, God will answer our prayer, but it might not be how or when we want it. Mm. And meanwhile, he transforms us. He transforms us from the inside out. And I wonder sometimes, you know, looking back, if we're not going to say that was the most powerful part of the answered prayer was the work that God did in that not a fix quick. Yeah. (laughs) Not a quick fix time. Yeah. You know, you brought up Hudson because he's another one of my heroes. He said, um, it was said of him at the end of his life, he was an object lesson in quietness. He drew from the bank of heaven every farthing of his daily income, and which was my peace I give unto you. Whatever did not agitate the Savior or ruffle his spirit was not to agitate him. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I need to practice that. I need to practice that. Well, yeah, it's it's so funny, though, because I was just, I'm doing the speaking event this weekend. And because of COVID, like the numbers are down, like everything's changing. This the, the person coordinating is like apologizing. I'm like, it's okay. Like if there's yeah. two people in the room or whatever it is, like I will come, I will serve. They're like, you're so easy. I'm like, this is the easiest thing ever. Like, <laughs> you 
I mean? After right. dealing with hard stuff, like we get to the place where like, it's good. Like if God is there, I'm good. Like, you know, if you don't need me to come, I'm fine. If you need me to come and speak to two people, I'm fine. If whatever it is, it is good because it's God and we're okay. So I think we have to get over ourselves when we, when we face these chaotic circumstances, Um, we learn to get over ourselves because God is there and that is enough. Yeah. God is there and it's okay. I Uh love that. I love that. Well, I know, I know that there are people listening today that are in the thick of it Mm. and they're feeling incredibly overwhelmed and they don't see how to get to where they know they need to be. And I think both Trisha and I would say, we can't, (laughs) we can't work ourselves into a happy state. Mm -hmm. We can't talk ourselves into a happy state, but the Lord, he wants to give us a new heart. A, a new spirit, a right spirit. He wants to do the things that only he can do, but we've got to allow him. Would you just pray over us as we close this time together? Yep. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for you, Lord. I am so thankful that even though we have these unrealistic expectations, <laughs> we have these um, maybe desires for the things of this world, for the comfort, Lord, I am so thankful that you give us yourself. And even though it may be difficult, Lord, and even though we may fight it, Lord, you are still there, arms wide open and saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that any moment when we pause and when we still our heart, that you are so faithful to comfort us if we need comfort, to cry with us, to mourn with us, mm-hmm. to weep with us, to um, lift us up, to give us hope, whatever we need, Lord, I am so thankful that you are there for us. I'm so thankful for the faithfulness that you've given to me and to Joanna. And I pray right now, whoever is listening, Lord, that you will just wrap your arms around her or around him, Lord. I pray that they will feel your peace in ways that they haven't or even haven't in a while or maybe have never known, Lord. I pray Mm -hmm. that um, they will learn to just trust you and believe that you love them completely and you have good plans for them, even though they may be in a really chaotic or hard situation. And I just pray, Lord, that we may always just glorify you for what you've given us, for your sacrifice and your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, what spoke most to you? You know, I am convinced that God has so much more joy so much more joy available to us, but we've got to stop looking to our lives or even this world to bring us happiness because happiness is based on happenings. And sometimes you guys, life doesn't happen the way we wish it would. Instead, God wants to build our faith and our joy on Him, on a deep sense of His love and care for us. I'm going to share links to Trisha's new book over the show notes, but I'm also going to include some links to George Mueller's story because like Trisha and I, you guys are going to be blessed by this man. You know, if you've been waiting to feel happy or if you believed that your feelings of happiness was dependent on the things that happen around you, I really think that Trisha's book is going to help you. In Nehemiah 8.10, we're told, the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
It's his joy. It's not our emotions. It's not our response to life, but it's tapping in to that deep abiding joy that only comes from him. That's the strength that we need. And that's the strength he offers. So no matter what you're going through right now, whether you're in the middle of a trial or coming out of one, or maybe there's one ahead, I want you to know that Jesus wants to help you keep a happy heart so that you and I can live and love and lead like him. Praying for you, my friend, and I hope you'll be praying for me because I believe the Lord wants to give each and every one of us a truly happy heart.